Welcome from the deep. I am Mike the Finder. And I am Book of Brett. And today we are going to be talking about the 2018 film Mandy. I think that this movie and, and the director, Panos Cosmatos, um, are a... It's for very specific people. And I think that it's, a, it's an acquired yeah. taste. And I think that when you see this movie, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. And I, I would be willing to bet there's very few in between on that because that it's a very divisive movie in that way. I understand why you're saying that because it's very art house. It's very stylized. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, it's very stylized. It's straight up fantasy horror, yeah. but it's the most grounded fantasy horror I think I've seen in a while. And so I think, uh, yes, it, it's, it's for specific people, but I wouldn't say that it's as specific as some of the other ones that uh, you have made me watch. I think this came up because I was telling you about how I had just watched um, Over the Black Rainbow. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Or Through the Black Rainbow? What's it called? That was another, yeah, another one by Panos. Yes. Which, um, which and, really just feels like a Marvel villain directed a movie, by the way. Uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow, that's what it's called. Um, yeah, I'm. It, that's true. Yeah, he does have a very, like, Marvel-esque name. But, no, uh, the, reason, the reason I brought this up is because you were a big fan of the Guillermo del Toro show. I'm blanking on the name Cur of it. Uh, Cabinet of Curiosity. That's what it is. I am and, a... And I'm Panos, a huge fan of that. Yeah, and, and Panos did and the episode The Viewing with Eric right. Andre in it. And yeah. I remember you had had, what was your reaction to that? You had had a kind of a strange it reaction was, to that. It, I can't remember. It was, it, it was the one that definitely wasn't my favorite, but it was the one w that made me appreciate art house cinema of any kind, whether it be episodic or, you know, narrative. It was the one that really, really made me appreciate over-stylized art house yeah um because we watched that we did that before we did uh dario argento's suspiria right uh which i think by seeing that episode it made me appreciate dario argento argento more and i gotta say by watching suspiria it made me appreciate this more than i would have because there are some seriously argento inspired uh shots in this movie that's the thing about argento is you don't realize how large his influence is until you start watching his movies and you're like oh yeah. He he has really reached a lot of people because of when he came up and the stylistic choices that he was making, regardless of him making mostly, and this is debatable, but mostly giallo films and mm -hmm. art house horror, quote unquote, um, his influence goes really far. And I definitely agree with you that, that seemingly, I have nothing to back this up other than watching his movies, Panos Cosmatos' movies seem very Argento on the surface. Mm -hmm. And and when you watch something like Suspiria, I, I agree. You get a greater appreciation for something like Mandy that is more modern when you can see the inspiration and where it's coming from. So Absolutely. I, 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 I got to say, one of the biggest reasons why I haven't watched Mandy is because this did come out uh, several years ago. What is this, eight years ago? 2018, or like that. so it's five yeah. years old. Okay, so this came out Maybe six. right at the height of every movie poster looking like a fucking John Wick movie poster with the hyper-stylized lighting and the, the neon colors and the, oh my, sh oh my God, we have a really big RGB budget we have to use. Yeah. Like, yes, yes, exactly. So we, it, it, I feel like every single, not every single, obviously, but I feel like a lot of movie posters around this time several years ago were this blue, purple, pink, magenta, whatever you yeah. want to call it, um, lighting. And so when I saw it, I was like, okay, this is Nicolas Cage getting into some indie movie where they did that. I did not know until I watched this that Elijah, 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 Elijah Wood was, please put in just a picture of Elijah Wood with long blonde hair now. <laughs> I did not know that Eli Elijah Wood was a producer on this. Well, and he, he runs that, uh, he runs that studio. I forget the name of it. What's the name of his studio? I have no idea. Um, here, let me look that up. Um, he runs Spectravision, which is like a, uh, which is like, I, I think they focus mostly on art house horror and art house in general. 
Um, but yeah, he, he produces a lot of really great art house movies. Um, and it's because he runs that studio and he has his hands in a lot of really cool horror movies and he genuinely loves horror. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. he was a producer on this till you just said that though. Oh, you didn't? Yeah. No. His name pop his name pops up in the, uh, the opening credits. Yeah. I didn't notice that at all. Uh, yeah. Producer of Mandy, Elijah Wood, Nicholas Cage back. Yeah in Oscar level form with revenge films, surprise success. And that's the thing is I think that before Mandy, um, Nicholas cage was still kind of, he had had a couple here and there like pig. I can't remember if pig was before or after this, but I think um, pigs after this, I think it is. But I think, I feel like Mandy was a real like turning point. Like you could tell that he was pivoting to more art house, over stylized, deeper movies than he was getting or making before. And and I feel like Mandy is the real the real turning point for all of that. And yeah, God damn it, it's it's such a good script to choose if you're trying to pivot in that way. And Panos Cosmatos is a really good choice for a director when you're trying to do that. And let's just let's get into. Uh, do you want to give us your synopsis of this, and then we'll go over to the podcast drive-in yeah. and look what IMDb says about it. Yeah, so uh, Mandy is about a logger and his wife who live out in the woods. Um, they kind of are enjoying, you know, having a, a secluded life when some religious fanatics show up and kind of bring all of that to a screeching halt. And there, I don't know how to tie this into a well-constructed synopsis, but there's a biker gang too. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I, I, is I, like, don't, I, right? I don't know how else to put that in there except because but, yeah, Jesus freaks in a biker gang make Nicolas Cage very sad in the woods. <laughs> that maybe that's a better synopsis. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to to really nail down what this movie's about because right in the middle it flips and becomes almost like an entirely this, different movie. This movie is everywhere and nowhere at once yeah. this movie is it touches on so many genres it touches on so many different things and i i just just going into this i'm just going to say holy shit was this a lot of fun beyond the black rainbow is from 2010 i think and when you watch that before you watch mandy you can really see where a lot of his style is coming from but the thing with mandy is that it has a significantly more followable plot than mm -hmm. something like beyond the black rainbow does. And, and so when you're watching the first half of it, you definitely get that vibe of like, it's just this weird art house movie. And then it flips and becomes something completely different. And I think that's yeah. what makes this movie so damn fun is because yeah. it's not pretentious all the way through, but it maintains that art house through line yes. from beginning to end. Yes. From beginning to end. However, I really, really think it's a lot more prevalent in the beginning. And I think a lot of that is because Nicolas Cage's life is much more stable in the beginning. Um, and then by the end, we get a lot more of that art house stuff yet again. Uh, but, but pushing on fantasy. And I think a lot of that is because we've got some form of closure for him at the end. Yeah. All right, well, let's jump over to the podcast drive-in here and see what IMDb has to say about Mandy. Um, Mandy's from 2018. It's not rated? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, this is an R movie. <laughs> it definitely should be. I, it probably has too much violence and shit. I, I think maybe they put in R and then maybe had a typo and hit the N on accident. <laughs> Um, it's two hours and one minute long, which is generally something I would complain about. But in this film, because it switches tone so much in the middle of the movie, I think it's a little more tolerable than other two hour long movies. Yeah. Uh, and then the one sentence synopsis from IMDb The beginning's here, a little slow. Yeah, it definitely is for sure. Uh, the, the one sentence synopsis from IMDb says the enchanted lives of a couple in a secluded forest are brutally shattered by a nightmarish hippie cult and their demon biker henchmen propelling a man into a spiraling surreal rampage of vengeance. That See? is one of the Reli best synopsis I've ever heard on IMDb. Mine was better. Religious fat fanatics, biker gangs, Nicholas Cage <laughs> sat in the woods. Go. <laughs> 
It's directed by Panos Cosmatos. It's written by Panos Cosmatos, Aaron Stewart on, and Casper Kelly. It stars Nicolas Cage, Andrea Riseborough, and Linus Roach. Roach. So, I, I mean, you already said you had fun with this film. I want to know how you felt about it, though. Not a lot of people do surrealism well in movies, and this is uh, a masterfully done surrealist fantasy horror. Um, and you have to call it surreal because so much happens in a dreamlike state and even the things that are happening that aren't in dreams, that aren't fantasy, that aren't visions, whatever you want to call them, even those things are happening in almost like a dreamlike state. I mean, and, and that's because when Nicolas Cage decides to consume part of a goop in a jar, which, why, um... After that, we really do got, kind of go off on this whole, okay, this is grounded in reality in like a, again, I, I go back to John Wick because it is very much, you know, like something catastrophic happens and we get revenge, really any revenge story, but it's, um, it, it's, it's a very surreal movie and it's done masterfully well. The lighting is not realistic but it is beautifully done. Every single actor in this movie is good. All of them. None of them do a shitty job. Nicolas Cage made me cry. I've never seen I've never seen a Nick Cage movie. I call him Nick. I, I've never <laughs> seen a Nicolas Cage movie Yuck. that made me cry. Uh, this one did, dude. It really, really did. Um, I don't know if we're going to get into spoilers here. Can we do spoilers here, or are we waiting on uh, that? We'll wait um, on that for a little bit. Try to keep okay. it spoiler-free for now, though. When the biggest... Um, when the when the biggest turning point in this movie happens... Dude, I was tearing up. And then when we get the scene with him in the bathroom, finally processing everything that happened, his switching and uh, and changing from emotions is just like where the hell has this been because i mean if you watch him in like the rock or or con air or <laughs> those are the two movies that come to mind you face know, off for, face off thank you <laughs> you watch these movies with them and it's like okay yeah he can do the action star thing you know there are there are moments in the action star movies where you kind of get this like he didn't, you know, it, it doesn't seem like the acting is like spot on sometimes with those. Nicolas Cage does raw emotion really well, apparently. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying the last movie I saw him in was Renfield. I just watched him in Re Renfield a couple weeks ago. And that showed me that Nicolas Cage does crazy really, really well. He does raw emotion really well, too. Um, I was really, really happy to see Richard Brake in this, if, even though it's for just a, a little bit. He plays the chemist. Um, I just saw him in 31, and I really, really liked him in 31. Did you like 31 uh, in general? Uh, in general, I did like 31. I mean, it was, you know, it was a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. But, you he's know, fucking, it was fun. but Richard Brake is great in that film. Great. Yeah, he's fantastic in it. And so, it, but that's what I'm saying, man. Like the light, the, the direct, everything in this movie is done phenomenally well. And the only, the only thing I can really sit there and go, that might've been, you know, lackluster or whatever, is the pacing at the beginning for a very specific amount of time. And so I wouldn't even say that the pacing is bad because it's like, what, what, what is it going to be perfect the whole fucking time? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the reason the pacing is slow at the beginning, though, is because it gets so fucking crazy at the end. And right. he's really trying to, like you said earlier, you really get a sense of how <clears throat> happy they are to just sort of yeah. be together and living in the woods and being able to survive out on their own and stuff. And, and yeah. I think without that slow pacing at the beginning, the, the second half doesn't hit as hard. No, I I, th I think that's true, um, and it does the this movie. When people say a movie 
is a roller coaster ride. They're obviously talking about the loops, the the, the turns, that you know, it, t- it takes you on this this crazy ride. This entire movie is the first five seconds of a roller coaster of just oh my god! <laughs> like it's just dude, in this movie at a certain point catapults from zero to fucking a thousand. Yeah. Like it is go it is going at a slow pace. We are getting our character development in there. We are finding we it has to be slow, like you said, because if it's not slow, we don't really get the amount of time that this couple deserves for us to see how much they really care about one another. And without seeing that, the end of Act One doesn't have the impact that it does, and the rest of the movie does not have the hoorah vibe that it does. Because the last part of this movie, every single kill, I was sitting there going, oh my god. Like, it was, everything is so intense, but everything's intense for a different reason. The beginning's intense, there's an intensity in its slowness. As far as like the intense uh, uh, compassion these two feel for one another. Yeah. And the rest of it is intense from an energy standpoint, a gore standpoint. Um, it just everything about this. I think this is exactly what Panos had in mind when he was making this. Yeah. Because I don't see how this wasn't. Everything's so meticulous. Everything is executed so meticulously well. Now, this is not a movie that sends like a huge message. I did think that for a while there, with him being a logger, that this was going to take on some like environmentalist message kind of thing, which there wouldn't have been any re- there wouldn't have been anything wrong with that because logging. But <laughs> I really thought there was going to be a certain point that we were going to get this like deeper message not shoved down our throats but put into a place where maybe it doesn't fit properly well i mean if you look at it from a from a religious standpoint you could look at the message there about how horrific it can twist people's minds and make them insane and make them feel Uh uh-huh like Uh they're doing the right thing when they're clearly in the wrong um Uh so there's some of that in there Well, but that's what fox news is for (laughs) okay well i mean that's that's fair uh i think this is not a first time watch for me. I think this is the second or th- this might be the third time I've seen this. Um, this hits differently on a rewatch because you know what's coming. Um, but that doesn't make the main thing that happens in this movie, the turning point, the, the you know, any less significant. And I think mm-hmm. that the slowness that you're talking about at the beginning um, is really there so that we we get a connection with the two of them. The fact that we sit there and hear some of their conversations while they're laying in bed together and we hear about their hopes, their dreams, how they feel about each other, all of it. We, We get to know her just a little bit, just enough so that we feel how much he cares for her. Um... I, I think all of that is the reason that the second half of this movie really hits as hard as it does, because mm-hmm. it, without any of that, it's just, uh, it might as well be John Wick's dog. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it, like he's, he's having a reaction to them taking their dog, uh, taking his dog, but it's, there's not that, that feeling of love in there with it, regardless well, I, of how I'm, much he loves the dog. But I'm I sorry, mean, are, you, are, you, are you trivializing the relationship that John Wick has with that terrier? Only in relationship, only in relation to Mandy. Because that's the thing is like the, the fact that we spend so much slow time at the beginning is really what makes this significant. And, and when we get to the point of um, that big event happening, I think that the reason you cry is because of those things. And you really, 100% really want him to bring vengeance down upon these people. And the reason that it's okay to have this almost video game esque violence inside of this film is because you want that vengeance to happen so badly. And so right. you're more willing to accept the over-the-top violence when the first half of this movie is so art house meets love story type thing. Yeah, well, and I also think that a lot of it has to do with them putting so many fantasy elements into it yeah. that 
once we do get these, as you put it, video game-esque scenes in action, um, you're already aware that you're in a surrealist type of setting. Yeah. And so that makes it okay. Right. Um, not that it's not okay to begin with, but it just makes it a lot more understandable. It makes it more acceptable that exactly. all of this is happening. You're more willing um, to sit through it. Yeah. I really think the that there are two things that happen before we get really anything past the establishing shot that already told me what kind of movie I was in for. Uh, the fact that you basically have rock and roll lyrics at the beginning. Um, and then the fact that the opening scene is done by King Crimson. Yeah. If you don't know who King Crimson is, <laughs> go look up King Crimson and you're welcome. Yeah. It's, it, it, as soon as I saw those two things, I was like, yes. And then, and, you know, I, and while I was watching this, I was thinking that th this is just a little bit off topic, so I, w I won't take too long on it. But um, the band Lorna Shore recently put out a, uh, a trilogy of videos for, uh, uh, for one of their newest albums. And the uh, do you know who Lorna Shore is? Yeah. Okay. The clips from this replacing the clips in their music videos that aren't them would be fucking perfect. <laughs> and I'm really thinking about like re-editing their video for that and just splicing in shots from Mandy instead. But it is, this is a, this is a heavy metal, sci-fi, surrealist, horror, mindfuck. And yeah. there are tons of mindfucky scenes in here but there is one scene that I think just made me smile the most. And it's when all she does is break down the cult leader by laughing at him. It's so powerful. It's, it's, dude, it, you can feel that man crumble under her laughter. And, and up to that point, he has so much confidence. Oh, yeah. and, and just yeah. feels like this dude that knows everything. And all she has to do to break him down is laugh at him. Yep. It's fucking amazing. Well, and a lot of it's because she's not just laughing at him, but she's laughing at him when he's at his absolute most vulnerable. Yeah. He's in front of people that idolize him. He is putting out this energy of egotism and he is nude. I cannot think, I, if you put yourself in that situation, I cannot think of anybody who wouldn't just sit there and go, <laughs> yeah. And that that like, is and he does the dude just breaks. Yeah, it's and it's immediate too. Like you can yeah. just feel that like I said you can feel that man crumble under that laughter and it is such a significant moment where he really he really expects her to just be like, "Oh yes, master. I come with mm -hmm. you. I don't yeah. want this lowly logger anymore. I come with you and belong to you now." And when she laughs, it is such I, not only does it not only does it make him feel powerless, but it also for the audience, it also brings this moment of like of clarity of how fucking insane this guy is. Right. And regardless of whether she's pumped full of drugs or not, um, I think that I think that that moment is the reason that we really, really feel her death more than we should, because it's such a small thing that she does. Yeah. She, it, it doesn't even feel significant to anyone else but him, really. Right. And and it and it really breaks him down so much that you're like, really, he's gonna fly off the handle about that. And well, it's and it it's just so fucking powerful, man. And on on the topic of her being pumped full of drugs, I want to know who what, what is going through what is going through someone's mind that thinks you know what's a great aphrodisiac acid and hornet stings that'll get her juices going like it's just it's it, it, but it, and and again it Someone really who's never done acid. That's what that is. <laughs> that's a, yes. That's exactly. That's exactly what it is. Well, and that's and not to mention, tried to engage in intercourse on acid. That's that's right. what it is. Well, and that's why, like, a part of me that that's another part of this movie that stood out to me because, as somebody who spent the greater part of their teens and twenties consuming everything they could find under the sun, yeah. I was watching this going. Either the guy, there are moments in here that are very, that, that feel very genuine. Um, the, the, the vocal pitch changes feel very genuine. Yeah. The scene where she starts um, uh, putting, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She she basically starts seeing her face over his. Oh um, yeah, yeah. That yeah. that's a thing that the facial structure changes, the tracers that we get, the intense yeah. color differentiations. That's all very reminiscent of acid, and I promise you, I know. And so that stuff was it really stood out to me. And then there are scenes like this, where, although I've read a lot of stories of a lot of hippie cults being like acid cults, and sex was a big part of it. So you know, maybe it's it's obviously different for everybody, but I really think that that element again lends itself to why the art house thing works so well because by the time and it actually to me i would think would actually create a bigger challenge for them because by the time we get to the scenes of them being on lsd how do you take it up from where you're at already and they did it well and that that's where the over-the-top violence and shit comes in too because right. that's the only way to top something like that and right i feel i feel like maybe if you were to ride the LSD thing out the rest of the film um it wouldn't I don't know it wouldn't have that same punch because he needs to have that breaking moment and the the scene you were talking about in the in the bathroom where he's kind of coming to terms with everything that just happened to him and her and he's just left alone I fucking love the moment when he comes in the TV and the goblin mac and cheese commercial is yeah. playing because it Which just isn't feels real, by the way i no, looked it up <laughs> no but it but it feels like this very real moment where the tv is left on and you just had this really fucking traumatic experience happen and you're just so dazed and blank from the experience that just happened that the the thing on the tv I, I could just, when that happened, I could feel that moment, that, that commercial being burned into his brain for eternity, that he's going to remember that moment for the rest of his life every time he sees that commercial, regardless of whether he's paying attention to it or not. Yeah. I, that, that is such a, such a beautiful moment. Well, um, okay. and, and again, again, going to the, first of all, the set design in this movie. Oh, dude, it's crazy good. That bathroom is so kubrick-esque yeah and it's just i mean it's not kubrick-esque it's reminiscent of the time i get that but it still made me very like it made me um uh think about kubrick but that whole scene where he's just like he's clutching his throat because it hurts to drink but he has to drink and as he drinks more he processes it more and just like dude i'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now yeah it's, it's, it's dude that scene made me go fuck yeah nick <laughs> <laughs> well okay i think now is a good time to get into spoilers um i think it's pretty obvious how we both feel about this movie i think we both really enjoyed it um yeah regardless of how not a big fan of art house you are i think there's enough in here for people that are not a big fan of art house but enjoy horror and action movies that if you can stick through the first pretentious half of it you really get rewarded with some stuff that you don't think is coming so okay so it's funny you mentioned it being pretentious because i don't know if this is a sign of me enjoying art house more than i used to i don't know if this is me appreciating it more but nothing about this movie actually did feel pretentious to me well, I, um, I do think it's because you've started to watch more stuff like Suspiria. You you didn't I, I know you didn't love Infinity Pool, but it's that same sort of a thing where it's just drug fueled insanity. Um, and, and I think that the more of that kind of stuff that you watch, uh, the more you can learn to appreciate it. And there is definitely pretentiousness in here in the film language sure, that is sure. present um, and, and the stuff that he presents you with. Um, but it, no, it's not as pretentious as some other things that we have watched in the past. A girl walks cough, home cough. at midnight. A girl walks home at midnight alone. At, at, what is it called? I fucking forget the name of that movie all it's the time. It's called the movie with the stupid clown scene that makes no sense. That's what it is. <laughs> I forgot about that scene. <laughs> it's the reason I don't like that movie. That scene is just like... Yeah, it's called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. That's, yes, that is one of the most pretentious movies that we've ever watched. Um, and it's because of stuff like the clown shit. There's not stuff in in Mandy like that. But no. even if there were, I feel like because of the drug use and the situation, you could argue the bikers are like that. But it's presented in a way 
that that feels not only real but also significant to the story that they're telling and and it doesn't come out of left field in the same way that like the clown does and a girl I walks feel like the biker gang I feel like the biker gang is like a, an alternate universe of metalocalypse <laughs> Okay, the, the turning point, we're going to get into spoilers from here on out. The turning point in this film, obviously, is when she laughs at him and he decides, okay, I'm killing this bitch. She is not what I thought she was, and it is time to get rid of her because he she humiliated me in a way that no one has before, especially in front of my most devoted people. So the moment that and hits... And most sensual lover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that fucking old lady drives me crazy. Um, the most significant moment in this film for me is obviously when they're setting her on fire and the fucking dude, the 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 acting that Nicolas Cage has in this moment yeah. is yeah. so fucking powerful and real and it and it really feels like you're watching this guy experience her fucking death in front yeah. of you. I almost felt like I was feeling what he was feeling. Um, now, I a, a lot of times when things like these like this happen, I my my empathy kind of goes into overdrive, um, in, in, not in the sense of like feeling what the character is feeling, right. but it only happens when everything leading up to that moment has already pulled me into the movie. Yeah, and so I think that's like I was genuinely sitting there putting myself into his head and like feeling him feel these things that we're seeing on screen and dude it just it broke my heart man yeah like it really did i'm watching him just cry and i'm sitting there just like trying to wrap my head around the unfathomable experience of watching someone you love be burned alive in front of you in the same way that she just described birds being killed in a story five minutes before, by the way. Mm -hmm. And to just, to see him go through that and to see this escalation, because I mean, he tears up when he realizes what's about to happen. But like, like at first he's gritting his teeth and we have no audio, but you can still, it's like you can hear him. You can hear the acting that he's doing with while only hearing soundscapes. Yeah, and then and then to have the juxtaposition of that cut to the happiness you see on the cult, it's just dude. If it doesn't feel fill you with this, just like get him, dude, get him. If like I don't know how you couldn't be filled with that watching this scene. This might be the most powerful scene I have ever seen from Nicolas Cage. Oh, for sure. And sorry, Nick Cage. My bad. I call him Nick Cage. I I think that this is why I was saying earlier that I think that this is a real inflection point for him. This is a moment where he not only, I think he knew he had this in him the entire time for years, even when he was blackballed, but I don't think he got because he was blackballed. I don't think he got the opportunity to show that he was even capable of this. And, and the movies that you were naming off, Naming off earlier, I, I off the top of my head, I can't remember. Uh, okay, I think okay. he had like, let me see. So this says here, I'll just pop it up on screen. Okay. This says Nicholas Cage used to be one of Hollywood's biggest stars, but due to a slew of bad decisions and unnecessary expenses, Cage found himself debt stricken and stepped away from the limelight. Since then, he has mostly starred in indie films. So I think, uh, I, if I had to guess, I would be willing so to bet not a lot of his necessarily. well. What I was going to say is I think a lot of his um, a lot of his later movies before he stepped away really started to flop really fucking badly. And so he was not necessarily blackballed, but just wasn't pulling the same audience that he was pulling before. Not to mention when you look at his performances at stuff like like face off um, and, well, and a whole bunch of other Francis. stuff. He just always comes off as so fucking unhinged and yeah. and kind of crazy. He that, is unhinged. Have you watched interviews with him? The yeah. dude's a fucking lunatic. But this is why I, I still haven't seen The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Um, that movie is about... Do you know what that movie's about? It's basically about him in the latter stages It's Pedro of his career, Pascal being a massive fan of him and being super rich in a different country and bringing him in and showing him the Nicolas Cage memorabilia that he has and all of that kind of shit. It looks really fucking interesting and maybe we should 
maybe we should review that film because I haven't seen it and I really fucking want to. Um, but I think that yeah. he knew he knew he had this in him this entire time. But I don't think he was getting projects that allowed him to show stuff like that. When you look at Con Air or Face Off or any of those other really massive big budget popcorn movies that he was doing, there are not moments in there that give you an opportunity to show this because like you said, this really feels like it's happening in front of you. And it is because you could set that up till the day is long, but if you can't get an actor in that role that can make you feel that moment, none of it hits as hard as it should. And he is stellar in that moment. Yeah. The fucking yeah. moment where he where he fucking looks her in the face and she's just ash is so fucking heartbreaking. And and then it's followed by that moment of silence in the in in front of the TV and in the bathroom and coming to terms with everything that happened. It's just so fucking powerful. I don't want to keep sticking on this moment, but that is the moment where everything turns and he decides I have to fucking kill them all. And that is when the movie shifts into this insane action movie where he just goes and hunts yes where he just goes and hunts down the rest of these people and kills them mercilessly it's such a tonal shift from the first half of the movie but like we were saying because everything has been set up the way it is you don't feel like you're watching somebody uh, i haven't seen john wick obviously um but it really gives this sense of like he is not doing this because he feels the overwhelming need to murder. He's doing this because he has the overwhelming need to bring vengeance upon the people that hurt the only person in his life that means anything to him. I think he really, really wanted to do it. Well, obviously, but he wasn't <laughs> I don't think like it has to. But it, but he's like the thing with horror, generally speaking, is that we have we have a, a bad guy that is doing these things because he feels the overwhelming need to do these things. And in this, you have a guy that is n- a normal dude that is brought to the brink of fucking insanity through through drugs and and is it blood that he drinks? Is that what it is? Is it blood and LSD like? What? Oh, the jar? Yes. Oh, I don't know. They just describe it as a bad batch made by the chemist. That's all they ever described it as. Looks like a, it looks like something you get from a vagrant outside a meow wolf exhibit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, the rest of this movie is just there's not a whole lot to break down after the rest of this after that scene because no. the rest of the movie is just him tripping well, there and murdering. Is actually, there is actually. Um, the girl he doesn't kill. Okay. I mean, that's fair. Uh, that was that was one of those scenes where I'm a little conflicted on that one. Because if I was in his um, position, I can't say... Now, I obviously can't say that I'd also go after a cult and a demonic biker gang in his position either. But if I had gotten that far in the process, that bitch dies. I'm sorry, but you were involved one way or the other, and you already showed me how crazy you were by pulling the fucking trigger next to your head. No, you go too. And I I understand why he didn't, because she's the only one that showed remorse. Yes. But from my perspective, from where he's sitting while all this is happening, he didn't see her show remorse. So I think she should have died. That's true. I wanted her to die. I, s- I did still too. want her to die. Yeah. I, I Well, I think it's just the fact that she associated with any of them at all is enough yeah. for, for me. 100%. 100%. She was at a she, point in her life where she thought all that stuff was okay at some point. Otherwise, no. she wouldn't be with those people. I didn't see her leave the building when they stung her in the neck with a Japanese murder hornet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Dude, when they pull, when they pulled that thing out of the jar, I went, no, 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 no. <laughs> and it's it's so weird because it's just as first of all, I've watched way too many sting videos on YouTube. I think that's a big part of this. I've watched a lot of sting videos and like the pain index videos, you know what I'm talking about? No, I have no I, idea what you're talking you about. You haven't? Oh no. cool. I'll get a six pack and we'll watch some sting videos. No thanks. Um, I've watched a lot of those, and so, dude, when they pulled that thing out of the jar, first of all, I'm already sitting here going, 
because giant insects like that like make me super duper uncomfortable. Yeah. And so when they're pulling it out, I'm going, no. And then when I realized it was a hornet, I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> and then I'm sitting here thinking like getting stung by that after having been given a massive dose of LSD in the eyes, by the way. Yeah. I'm sitting here going like, what would I have done? Oh, I would have died. That's right. I would have just killed myself and had a heart attack. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Have a fucking heart attack at but the dude, thought of it's, it. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like it, it is the least amount of violence or is the least violent, violent act in this movie. Yeah. And it is the only one that made me go, ah, ah. <laughs> All right. Well, give me your final thoughts and your ratings on Mandy. Cause I'm, um, I, I'm, final- I'm not to, not to, not to shit all over your taste. Generally speaking, this is not something well, you're going to push through it. I, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to push through it anyway. Um, I didn't know how you were going to feel about this film because it is, it's fucking weird and it's yeah. violent Yep. And it's and it's not generally something I would have thought that would be up your alley, but because like we were saying earlier, you have watched I think more art house this year than you have the entire rest of your life. So yeah, I think yeah, that well, that makes a significant difference. And going into this interview or this interview, going into this review, I did have the thought of if I told him I like if I tell him I like it, he's going to make me much more of this shit. <laughs> It's like, maybe I should just shit all over this and he won't make me watch this anymore. Well, luckily but, for you, he doesn't, Panos does not have that many movies. So, and I, I, yeah, I'm not going to make you watch you. beyond the, I'm not going to make you watch beyond the black rainbow. Cause you will hate that. You, you will, you will for sure hate that movie. You know what? I, but, I've been thinking about introducing a series from my old channel into this one uh, that I used to do called uh, angry movie reviews. Right. And uh, maybe that'll be the one I do for the first angry movie review segment on the channel. Well, to be honest, now that you've seen this and, and didn't hate it, I would be interested to see how you feel about that movie. But it's there is a significant difference in terms of existing plot from Mandy yeah. to Beyond the Black Rainbow. And Beyond the Black Rainbow is something that I pride myself in, and generally speaking, like understanding out there art house films and being able to sort of pick apart what they're about and, and my, what I think they're about um, beyond the black rainbow. I, I had to go read boards and stuff to hear what other people were thinking that that movie was about. And until I did that, I was kind of like lost. So that's one of those movies that I was really like, I don't understand what I just watched. And so going into Mandy, I really didn't know how you were going to feel about it. So Tell me, tell me your final rating and your, your final thoughts on Mandy. Mandy isn't what you think it is. Whatever the fuck you think Mandy is, it's not. Um, it, is, it, it is all over the place. It covers genres that I wouldn't expect from it. Uh, fantasy horror is not something that usually goes well. Uh, this one, dude, this movie is, this movie's perfect. I, and I, I, I can't believe I'm saying that about Art House, but it's just when you look at it outside the context of perfection compared to something else, maybe, okay, it's not perfect in that regards, but what this movie wants to be is exactly what it fucking is. Uh, they, 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 they it's, it's, it's 10 out of 10. Wow. It's a 10 out of 10. Holy shit. There, there's nothing wrong with this movie. I want there to be something wrong with it. I want to sit there and go, oh, they were pretentious here, or, or, or to say something bad about it. But from a technical standpoint, it's spot, it's spot on. From a creative standpoint, it's spot on. I mean, it's just everything. Again, I don't rate movies in comparison to, like, if, you know, if this movie was a 10 out of 10, how is this movie in comparison to I, it? I, I don't, don't think, think anyone you, should do that personally. I don't think you should. I know people do, but I don't think you should. I think you need to look at it and sit there and go, okay, what was it trying to achieve? Did it achieve that? Okay, perfect. Start at 10 if it, start, if it achieved that, and then whittle away the numbers as things went wrong throughout the movie. I think that's really the best way you can go about... You, you shouldn't start at zero and go to 10, otherwise you're just, some, you're just another person shitting all over movies for no fucking reason. Yeah. This movie does what it's supposed to do. It made me... It made me cry, Mike! <laughs> It made me cry. <laughs> I can't remember the la- when was the last time you teared. Uh, I'm not saying you teared up for this one, but when was the last time you teared up for a horror movie? 
for a horror movie? Oh, for a it horror yeah, movie. it definitely doesn't happen often. I can't it even off, happen, top, off the top of my head. I I don't know. No, I mean Bambi was you know pretty sad. Not and, a horror movie. Uh, when you're five, it is. And so <laughs> for me, for me, Touché. this is it. This is it. This this is a ten out of ten. Okay, well, that is surprising. Um, I just looked at my letterbox review from when I first watched this back in 2021, um, and it is lower than I expected it to be. Um, what? I, you gave it a nine? I gave it an eight. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that uh, upon a rewatch, and again, I think this is the third time I've seen this, I think. Um, I think that this hits a little bit harder when you, when you know what's coming. Um, and, and there's that, that anticipation at the beginning that you feel when you know what's coming and mm -hmm. it just, all of it plays so fucking differently when you see it upon a rewatch that I, I think that it actually makes it a stronger film because of mm -hmm. that anticipation. The lighting is some of the best. And this is, the, Beyond the Black Rainbow has has a very similar vibe to it where the lighting is just insane. The cinematography is insane. It looks... I don't know what they shot this on, but it looks film. I don't know if it, it is or not. It looks like Hobo with a shotgun. Yes, exactly. That is a very good... Yes. Um, but it looks like they shot it on film. It's got the vibe of the 70s that they're going for in it. I, I fucking love the, the bloom on the lighting. Uh, all of it is fucking beautiful. It's it's nostalgic looking. It's it's phenomenal. And the cinematography that he uses on top of the just fucking godlike performance from Nicolas Cage is it's just it's baffling that all of this fell together as good as it did when it's about what it's about and that turning point in the middle of the film happens. It shouldn't work. It just shouldn't. And yet somehow all of it falls together in this way that makes this damn near perfect movie. And, and I fucking love it. I, everything about this movie is what I enjoy in horror. It's, it's horrifying. It's beautiful. It's significant. It's filled with emotion. The fucking vengeance that, that he makes you feel, you feel a, a want for vengeance when you watch this film and then mm -hmm. you get it with this, that, that fucking, Oh my God, dude, the, the, the scene where he throws the battle ax and it sticks in that guy's face and, and it's all of it is backlit. So you only see the shadows and stuff. It's, it's phenomenal. And every single death in this movie feels significant because it's supposed to because of the shit that he sets up at the beginning of this movie you want all of these horrible things to happen to all of these people and that is not something you get out of horror all that much most of the time particularly with slashers and stuff like that you have you have this insane person going around and hunting this group of teenagers generally down and you don't you you feel bad for the teenagers Generally speaking, because they didn't really do all that much wrong, uh, and this no, insane it's person, a version of that mommy issues exactly, and and this insane person is hunting them all down, and you're like, oh, this is this is horrifying because none of these kids deserved it. This is hor Mandy is horrifying because all of these people deserve it, and all even the girl that he that he doesn't kill, I feel like really fucking deserved it. Uh -huh. um, yeah, and and this plays in this plays on your emotions in such a good way that most modern horror does not. That it really feels different and better than quote most other elevated horror. And that is why Panos Cosmatos has become one of my favorite modern directors. And when you look at his filmography, let's just jump over here. Um, he has Mandy, Beyond the Black Rainbow, and Cabinet of Curiosities. That's what he's done. And when you, when you really look at that, three fucking movies and Mandy is his second outing. That's fucking crazy. That's absolutely insane. Now, some Ari Aster shit right there. Exactly. He's working on something called Necrocosm. Oh, um, God. I don't know what this is going to be about. I think well, it that, tells you right there. Well, it says, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to read. I don't want to read the fucking synopsis. I'd rather be, 
I'd rather be walking into that movie a little blind. Um, but I think that not not having that many outings as a director, and this is this is your fucking second movie. That's I can't wait to see what he does more. And the viewing only solidified that more for me. We call that fuck you talent. Yeah, exactly. This is a guy that I will have my eye on for the rest of his career because even if even if I didn't fall in love with Beyond the Black Rainbow, all of those all of the pieces that he was building in that movie translate over to Mandy in a very good way. And you can see somebody you can see somebody that has a vision for what he wants. Um, but is, and maybe he didn't even write it. Let me look. Yeah, he did write it. Uh, his writing wasn't necessarily there yet. Um, I think that he fucking, uh, granted, he did have two writing partners in this movie and maybe that's what he needed. This is clearly a guy that, that knows how to direct and can write, but, but obviously when he has help with, with a few other people, th- this is, Dude, this is a significant movie in in art house horror. And mm-hmm. I think that one of the better things that we've seen in the past 10, maybe even 20 years. That's that's yeah. how I feel about it. So my rating for this is going to go up from the first time I watched it. I'm going to rate this a 9 out of 10. I don't think this is perfect. Um, it's, a, it's a little long, a well, little slow at the beginning. you're wrong. <laughs> it's a little long. It's a little slow at the beginning. And there are some other things that I can nitpick here and there. Um but yeah, this is super fucking strong. And I think that that he should be on the watch list of everybody that enjoys this kind of shit. So, yep. wow. All right. Uh, I did not expect you to come in higher than me this time. I really didn't. I didn't know I what the fuck do. to expect from this. Well, yeah, oh, in you, a uh, different uh, way. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let us know what you thought about Mandy, because I know that this is a very divisive movie. This is not something that everybody is going to enjoy. This is for... A very narrow niche group of people, I think, which is why he didn't have-minded. He didn't have what? I thought you were gonna say narrow-minded. No, 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 no. Narrow niche group of people. I think that's why this movie hit when it did come out. I think a lot of people were talking about it, but I don't think it led to massive commercial success for Panos Cosmatos. Um Although it definitely should have, but when you make a movie like this, I don't think that by its very nature that it's going to be commercially successful in like mm-hmm. a massive wide release sort of a way. Uh, but this is this is definitely something that um, for those who get it is really significant. So let us know what you thought about this film. Uh, thank you guys for watching. If you like this, make sure you hit the like button. If you really liked it, make sure you hit the subscribe button because we get a lot more content like this on this channel. We do a podcast at least one video every single week, or at least we try to. Sometimes we miss, but either way, that's neither here nor there. Uh, anyway, so thank you for getting all the way to the end of this podcast. If you did, you are who we make these videos for. We really super appreciate any of the love and and the watches and the likes and and all that stuff. We really fucking appreciate it. So thank you for getting all the way to the end of this video, and we will see you guys next time from the deep. Uh, Bye-bye. Ta-ta.